This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is the Action Network Podcast. It's good! It's good! Without further ado! That's what the game's all about. All of a sudden you feel like you can't miss. Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, NBA edition, second show this week, getting you set for the weekend in the NBA playoffs after a wild Thursday night that saw the collapse of the Lakers' new dynasty and uh, the exit of the Portland Trailblazers as they were unable to defeat a team with only two of their top five guards. So that's something to talk about on this show today presented by bet MGM, the official odds provider of the action network podcast. The biggest thing we're going to talk about today is is Nets bucks. That's to, we all agree why this series is, is a big deal. I have a huge article out on action network that talks about what the series mean. And we'll get to that in the course of this episode. Uh, we'll also touch on the other series and we'll get you set with some futures bets about where we are in this weird new landscape where there's no Warriors to bet on, there's no Lakers to bet on. It's weird. It's, it's weird, fellas. We're in a weird world right now, but let's go ahead and go back to last night real quick. So, like, look, I, I, it's going to be very easy to, to dance on LeBron's playoff grave losing for the first time in the first round. Everything's coming up, Lakers. Davis got hurt, which is not surprising. You can't have watched Anthony Davis's career and be surprised. Like it was more surprising that he didn't get hurt last year. If if we're going to be real, um, yeah. there's a lot of like things we could say that happened at the same time, and I think all of these things are true. The Lakers retooled in a way that did not work out. They took bets on Dennis Schroeder that did not work out. They took bets on Marcus Salt that worked out, but for some reason they decided that it didn't work out well enough. So they brought in Andre Drummond that did not work out. They bet a lot on THT, which I thought was really dumb. Like, he was pretty good last night in the fourth quarter when they were trying to make the comeback. But in general, THT is just like, maybe next year he'll be that guy. Would be surprising to me, but possible. But ultimately, like, look, this is a top-heavy team. It was designed this way. Like, the, the team's GM and team president, Rich Paul, designed this team so that it would be top-heavy with his two guys, LeBron and AD. And then built it around mostly clutch guys. And, you know, maybe you should get guys from other agencies. That might be a thing that you might want to consider in the future. But ultimately, it just comes down to, like, Brandon, once Davis got that that groin injury, it was curtains. They were never going to win this series versus the Phoenix Suns, who all year we talked about how good they were if Davis was not healthy. Once Davis got that, that, once he got the groin injury and then the re-injury, like, they had to know... There was so much desperation going the last night. They were playing Davis on this sh- short rest off the injury. They were starting Gasol. Drummond was just like sent off in an airplane elsewhere last night. I mean, the dude couldn't buy minutes when they were behind by like 20 or 30 in the second quarter. And 
once I, I think once Davis got the second injury, he the, it just took the air out of the Lakers and out of the arena. Like I think at that moment the reality sunk in. Even if they could come back and win that game, even if they could come back and win the series, I don't know when we we're going to see Davis again. I don't think the Lakers knew when they were going to see him again. And LeBron is awesome, but we we've seen the Lakers with just LeBron and not Davis. That was two years ago, and that team didn't make the playoffs, or maybe it was going to eke into the playoffs and probably have had a similar result if LeBron had stayed healthy. So yeah, look, LeBron is awesome, but basketball is not a one-man game. You still have to have teammates. They still have to actually show up and make shots and play defense. And for these last couple of games, the Lakers, LeBron saw what all of us saw. His teammates weren't good enough. And LeBron, I think, also wasn't good enough from what he has been in the past. I think we all waited for the inevitable LeBron, playoff LeBron to show up, and it wasn't quite there. But the teammates weren't good enough this year. They never had enough shooting. The defense was great, but faltered these last couple of games. It just wasn't a title team. On the bad ankle, he wasn't able to be the kind of guy that he's been in the years past, and yeah. we'll see if he can get back there next year with a full offseason of rest, which will do him good. I will say this. <clears throat> there's a couple of things that I do want to kind of like note because there's the idea of like we had the shortest offseason. Okay, the conference finalists got an extra two weeks of rest. The people that lost in the second round got an extra, what, three weeks of rest, three and a half weeks of rest, and – I don't mean to go down this road, Raheem, but I'm going to have to. Yeah. LeBron lost his second best player. The Nuggets lost their second best player, and they're moving on. I think the one thing that you have to come back on is that they had four or five months off to get last year's championship. Like, that impacted them. So it's just like we're looking at Anthony Davis right now. If they don't have that gap, who knows if Anthony Davis lasts last year? So yeah. they got one more championship than they probably deserved. You know, I love the Lakers, but they just did this whole thing wrong. Like last year, they had an identity. The yeah. identity was they're going to grab rebounds. They're going to dominate you in the offensive rebounds to make up for their deficiencies and shooting threes. This year, they didn't have that. They let JaVale McGee go. They let Dwight Howard go. And this is not the rebounding team that we saw last year. LeBron liking THC so much is the reason why – they, they, they just didn't get rid of him. Like, Lowry would have saved this team. Yeah, he would have. I agree with that. It's tragic because, you know, three days ago, we thought this series was over. You know, Chris Paul looked like he was, you know, his arm was done. And they had a lead in game, what was it, game four. LeBron hit that dunk. And then from that moment on, it just was a different series. So things happen quickly in the NBA this team is going to have to retool and, you know, we'll see if they ever get back to the level. I don't, I don't know if LeBron's ever going to get another championship with this roster. So I had a big position on the Lakers. I have hedged it appropriately and I have the ab- ability to add on to other teams. Uh, mm-hmm. My profit margin is, is going to be lower for sure, but I'm okay. The Lakers annoying losing is annoying because it allows me for fewer guaranteed situations but look, I'm probably going to take. I'm still probably going to bang them for next year's title. A full off season, they'll get everybody healthy. They'll probably add another star, either a veteran guy that's that's going to come in cheap like Lowry, or you know, we'll we'll talk about what happens with the next guy that that we're going to talk about. Um, the final thing I will say though, if we're going to look at the Miami Heat and people are going to talk about the bubble and the flukeness, Anthony Davis's jumper fell last year in the bubble. It was red hot. They're a different team when he's not able to hit jumpers. 
Uh, yeah, I think they lost the series because of Davis's injury because he wasn't on the floor, especially because I looked it up yesterday and Booker was shooting 39% from the field when Davis was on court. But ultimately, if we're going to talk about the Heat being this flukish team, the Lakers did win inside of a weird environment with a weird shooting environment. And I'm not saying there's an asterisk. You, you won the title, you won the title. I'm more interested in how it means going forward and what they can do from there. Let's start like very big picture. I want to go big picture and then go smaller. Okay. At BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast, we can look at the series prices and, and obviously they've had them up since the series got locked in. We saw some advanced prices last week, which I may have taken advantage of then. Uh, when we look at it, though, however, the odds are you've got Nets minus 200, Bucks plus 165. You've got uh, Nets minus one and a half games is plus 110. So that's basically Nets and six. Nets minus two and a half is plus 225. That's Nets and five. Um, you've got Bucks minus one and a half. That's Bucks in six at plus 300 if you want to get or better. Uh, if they get win in four, five, or Six and bucks plus two and a half, unfortunately, is minus 275. The series is very interesting in terms of I looked at these series prices last night for a big mega preview. We have up on actionnetwork.com as you read that, as you listen to this. Raheem, I, I, you're really good at this stuff. I want to ask you this first. To me, it seems like the books are saying we want the money on the nets when you look at this, the series game spread. Right. Because yeah. it's juice. So like the fact that I can't get bucks plus two and a half for them to be able to, to get to lose four two and anything better than minus two seventy five leans that way. I think all of us think that minus two hundred plus one sixty five that anything maybe less than 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 plus one fifty plus maybe one plus one forty is a little light. And so there's value on the bucks. So I'm having a hard time figuring out like the series price tells me that the that the books are like hey, you can get the box at plus 165. But then the series spread is telling me that they're like, hey, you can get the Nets to win in six at plus 110. So mm. that differential has me really perplexed on what the books are hoping to manipulate as far as their handle. Do you have thoughts? I'm, I'm still struggling with it myself. For me, I'm personally not even looking at the series. I'm, I'm, I'm going to handle this, this series game by game just because I think there's going to be multiple swings. So, like, I like the Bucks in game one. I think the, the Nets are going to struggle with the Bucks coming out the gate because Giannis has given them problems all season long. They're going to have to figure out the rotations if um, DeAndre Jordan's going to play. So I'm coming, I'm coming at the Bucks game one, money line, straight out the gate. And then I'm going to look at the series price from there. So I, I, I can't even really – because I, I don't want to lay the, the bucks at this price right now. I think, you know, plus 175, it's almost telling it, it almost feels like they're telling us that the Nets are going to win this series. Yeah, I wonder, part of me honestly wonders, I want to see where it is before tip. Because part of me honestly wonders if they overestimated where the public is going to come in on this series. I got to get the, I'm going to reach out to the books and, and get a sense for where they're at going into the series, going, but you can find that on Action Network. That's one of my big questions here is like, did they expect a flood of public money to uh, because the media, the analysts, the betters that I've talked to, it's bucks. Like they're just like, look, I'm getting bucks at 
the the implied probability at 165 where it's out about MGM is 37.74 via our action network tool, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't done the, the the no vig on it, but if you look at just that 37%, that feels light to me. Like this feels if you want to get I would put this really at a 50-50. If you want to give the Nets a lean because of home court and they have Kevin Durant, then maybe, maybe 60-40, but 37 feels definitely light by at least a few percentage points, if not more. Like a middle ground there, obviously, is 55%, 45%. Brandon, I, I am a little bit confused because like minus 200 is not an appetizing price, but it's also not a price that on a series number you go like, oh, absolutely not. Like you don't go, you don't look in that minus 200 and go like, oh, no, I'm not going to lay that. Especially with the Brooklyn friggin' Nets. I will say that if you want to bet the Nets, just bet them to win the title, like we talked about. I don't see a, a matchup that's worse for them the rest of the way. But as far as the numbers on this go, I mean, you're always looking for the long shot here. What, what's your angle going in? I really struggled to try to find what is the angle to play on a series bet on this. Like, where, where is their value on the series? And I think, like Raheem, I just don't see value on a series bet right now. I don't see great value. I I like the Nets to win the series, but I don't like them minus 200 to win the series necessarily. I I agree that the Bucks seem to have value at that number, but I don't know if I think they have enough value at that number. Here are a couple things that that are causing me to to save my money from a series right now. Number one, I think it's very likely that both of these teams trail at some point in the series. Um, for me, even picking the Nets, I think that the Bucks either go up 1-0 or 2-1, something earlier in the series that the Nets have to actually respond to. If the Nets are going to win the series, then that would imply at the very least they'd be up like 3-2 or something. In both cases, either one of those teams is going to be down in the series, and I'm going to get better odds to bet them to win the series at that point than I can bet on them right now. So I'm not interested in the series price for that reason. The second reason is that I'm looking ahead and I'm not necessarily willing to, I do agree. I think this is the NBA finals, but it's a long playoffs. We never know. We never know how things are going to hold up. We don't know what the Bucks team would look like in a finals against a lot of really good teams. We don't know if the Nets guys can stay healthy for another month from there. What I do feel pretty good about is that whoever wins this series is definitely going to the finals. And I am not going to bet on the Nets or the Bucks to win the series when I can just bet on the Nets or the Bucks to win the East because I don't have any confidence in whatever is happening with Joel Embiid and the Sixers or in the Hawks beating them in the Eastern Finals. I will make whatever whoever wins here a serious, significant favorite in the Eastern Finals. So why bet the series on either one of these teams when I can just get better price to, to bet the Eastern champs instead without even having to pay for the chance of losing in the NBA finals. So I just, I don't see value on either side of the series, the way that they've painted these series prices right now. I'm a little befuddled like you, Matt, of just like, okay, where are you expecting the money? Where do you want it to happen? And I just think that the better value is, is thinking a little bit longer term or, or waiting to see how the series shapes up a little bit. So here's a, here's a, another prop that's available on at MGM, the series number of games, right? And we missed on this with the, the Hawks next series because turns out the mm-hmm. Knicks were the frauds that we thought they were and didn't listen to ourselves. Mm-hmm. The over five and a half is minus 150. 
what I think is curious is under five and a half is only plus 125. So there's like a 44% implied chance that this thing's done in five. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. I didn't see that one. That's that's a very good looking line. Like what what is the scenario where this series ends in four or five other than a catastrophic injury to one of the, the superstars? Is it just that the Nets are just so incredible on offense that they just completely steamroll the Bucks? Is that the, the Nets in five pick? I, how else is the series over in five? Yeah, I mean, the, net, the Nets in five yeah. is just like, oh, you know, Giannis can't hit free throws. They're able to build a wall with DeAndre Jordan. Uh, the Bucks individual offense without DiVincenzo, they get picked apart. They can't find anybody to replace him. Katie and Kyrie are able to score enough in on ball. And then whoever it is that the other guy is can't hang with Joe Harris, who bombs away from three. And the Bucks just their defense can't handle the firepower. The Bucks in five, which I will admit is not entirely unappetizing to me, is the Nets have to play somebody that actually plays defense, right? The Nets have to actually play defense in this series. The the Bucks big three is able to the lower Katie and Kyrie's efficiency just enough, or Harden's like just two of the three. Brooke Lopez is able to stay on the floor, and they're able to maintain their core identity and provide enough help defense. And especially they win the bench minutes, which we'll talk about in a second to such a big degree that even though the nets start every game up 19 to 10, they wind up losing this. They're down at half. They're down after three. They're down. They, they lose the series. Like I could see that scenario occurring minus minus one fifty. Your, your implies are 60%, right? So there's only, there's only a 60% chance that each of these two teams win two games. As yeah, a, that's, that's as not making, that's not making any sense to me with a net with the nets being only minus 200. Like this line is, and it's shortened, right? Like the initial numbers that we saw, like I grabbed a 180. I grabbed a 180 when it came out. Uh, truth be told, I grabbed a 200. Actually. I just remembered it at one book. There are books that, that popped it way big and then had to, had to go back down. Now we've seen that consistently that some of the books just, their early lines are off, you know, like props to them for getting the business in, but they, they put out early lines that if you can get a, a, a number in, you can, you can get a pretty, a really good line on it. But as the market is adjusted, we've seen this go down to like 165. There's some 140s floating around. Like the series seems relatively close. Now winning the series doesn't necessarily have to reflect the number of games outcome, right? Like it can be a really close competitive five game series where it just goes the other way. And it's like, it was really close through three games, but then like Giannis tweaked an ankle and then like, that was it. But like you said that you couldn't find value. If you want to look at it, like I have to say over five and a half minus minus one fifty probably seems like the best value we're going to get given the matchups on both sides of this equation, Brandon. Of the different angles we've talked about, I like this angle the best of just, yeah, these teams are both really good. We think this is the NBA finals. We think these are the best two teams. Yeah. Let's give them each credit to win a couple games. I mean, Nets in five yeah. means that we're going to treat the Bucks with the same amount of respect that we gave the Celtics who just lost in five to the Nets. Like, why yeah. are, Why should we believe that Brooklyn is, is not only going to be so much the better team, but also going to suddenly have this like killer closer mentality that this team come out and just like played with its food in the first quarter against the Celtics game after game and waited and was like, ah, it's fine. We're just so good. We'll just score when we need to like, 
why are they going to suddenly decide to not do that against the Bucks until they actually have to figure out that they can't do that against the Bucks? I think it's really hard for me to see it ending in four or five. I think what you said about like, oh, it was a close series and then Giannis mm-hmm. tweaked his ankle or something like that. Maybe that's the scenario. I don't know what the scenario. I really have a hard time seeing Bucks in, in four or five personally. So I think that that's a good angle. Uh, another angle that uh, another like plus juice or uh, sorry, like another, like you really got to drink the juice on it angle is we talked about this uh, on our first round preview. You can bet on who's going to lead the series in scoring. Yeah. Giannis mm-hmm. is going to lead the series in scoring. Giannis mm-hmm. scored so many points in that, in that recent matchup. And we'll, we'll talk about the matchup. We'll talk about who's going to defend him. It's mm-hmm. not me, Jeff Green, at least not to start out because he's missing and he was probably the first pick. And I think Giannis is going to just score so many points. I kind of think if I'm Brooklyn, I'm good with that. I think I want him to just do his thing and, and hold down the fort against everyone else. Giannis is minus mm-hmm. 225 to lead the series in scoring. And I just think he's the Brooklyn guys are going to get their points, but then it's going to be somebody else the next game. Giannis mm-hmm. is going to get his monster number every single night. And I think, like, that. I don't know. I, I don't love paying pay minus 225 on almost any bet, but that looks like a, a pretty clear winner to me on that one. I like Bucks plus one and one and a half. I think you should play that as opposed to over one um five and a half okay. because the over five and a half you're laying one fifty and the Bucks plus one and a half it's one thirty five. So either to win or lose in seven is minus one thirty five. Yeah, yes. I mean, no. Your, I mean, your only one. real liability there is Nets and six. Yeah, but this is the problem. See, this is why Raheem is like. I wanted, yeah. I was like, I was like, ooh, okay, the Bucks are dogs. I should be able to get Bucks plus two and a half at a pretty decent number. And then they put it at minus 275. Yeah. Minus 275 for the Bucks to at least win two games. And you're mm. telling me that they're plus 165 on the series. Like, again, I can't tell if these numbers are so sharp mm-hmm. that they're indecipherable and there's no value, mm-hmm. or if they're not sharp at all and they're throwing mm. darts at a board. Yeah, I think you know what one of the things is too though the the Bucks are going to be favored in Game Six without yeah. any injuries, yeah. so it's just like you you provide yourself you know a chance to hedge these things. Um, like I, I like I'm looking at what is it the, the Nets are minus three and a half four now, so I'm guessing like the Bucks might be minus two or something or minus right. one at home. So, Brandon, I, I'll, let me tell you what's going to happen right now. Okay, Raheem and I are going to talk you into the Bucks. That's what's going to happen. We're going to talk you into the Bucks. And then after the Nets win this series, you're going to come back in victory lap, even though we talked you out of it. That's what's going to happen right now is, is that exact sequence. All right, let's um, do it. So for starters, you mentioned Giannis scoring. He averaged 39.7 points per game versus this team in the regular season. 39.7. The caveat, he hit 10 threes versus this team. 10 threes versus oh, the man. Uh, as a good sign of how much of an outlier that is, his second and third most threes in a game this season combined for 10. He hit five in two other games. That's how much of an outlier. But, but I did the math. If you take out the points from his 10 threes, he still averaged 30 points a game versus this team. So if he doesn't hit a single three, he's on still on track to average 30 in this game. Um, here's the the... <laughs> The this is where my chess machinations got into last night with the column that I wrote. If the Nets start big with DeAndre Jordan, who did a decent job versus Giannis, not good, but decent, okay? 
The problem is, is that with DeAndre Jordan in any pick and roll situation, what do you got to do, Raheem? Drop. <laughs> drop. You got to drop. Yeah. Yeah. Brandon, Chris Middleton this season has like an effective field goal percentage of 57% versus drop. He's averaging wow. 1.3 points per possession versus drop defense. So if they play Jordan and I had a scout tell me this, he's like, watch what happens. He's like, go back and watch when they play Jordan, Drew will run into that and they'll just hang. They'll just hold because you can't get over the screen fast enough. And you have to. And at that point, once you can't get over Giannis's screen, you have to stay with him or he's rolling to the basket and getting a layup. So you just wait out the, the drop coverage and then you've got to switch of Drew Holiday on DeAndre Jordan, and that's barbecue chicken. And I went back and watched, and I've got a clip. That's exactly what happens. And it happened on multiple possessions. Drew comes off of the screen. The guy can't mm-hmm. get over. He's forced to switch onto Giannis. Jordan settles into a soft switch. Drew doesn't attack him at the rim. He just backs up, forces Jordan to get stuck in no man's land, and takes a jumper and cans it because it's easy. That's a big advantage for him. Then you've got Chris that just will come off the screen immediately. And as soon as Jordan drops, you're giving Chris Middleton a mid-range jump shot. It's over. Okay. Mm. But the Nets like the switch, you say. The Nets have all these switchy defenders. Okay. You can't do it. Blake Griffin. Giannis destroyed him. I mean, it was bad. Like Giannis annihilated him. Like there was a post move. He had Blake like two steps off of him when he went back the other way for the layup. So you can't play Blake. Jeff Green's out, which means you're going to Nick Claxton. Claxton can't build the wall. Giannis is going in transition and dunking over him every single time because he's not big enough. Like, I'll be perfectly honest with you, Brandon. When I looked at this matchup and I actually started diving in, I legitimately think the Bucks' big three can hang in this series because they're good at what they do versus what the Nets do. And the Nets are just good at whatever it is that they do. I get superstars matter. I get t- talent wins. But if we've been saying for season after season after season that Chris Middleton is underrated and he's an all-NBA scorer, which he has been, and we've been saying season after season after season that Drew Holiday is really good and a masterful point guard, and we know that Giannis only really struggles versus teams that have the defensive identity to build a wall versus him, which is Toronto, Miami, and a handful of other teams, and certainly not the Brooklyn Nets. Tell me how the Nets are going to be able to – who has a better chance of, set, of scoring, of, of slowing down the other one? a Nets team in a bad matchup with a bad defense or the best three-man combo of the NBA in terms of offense versus a very good elite athletic defense that can throw multiple looks at you and have proven that throughout the course of the season. So I agree with pretty much all of that. I I agree that Giannis is going to have a monster series. I think he could pretty much name his number and score it, whatever he feels like. Mm-hmm. I agree that the matchups, the matchups are what make this intriguing. That's why this is the NBA Finals. That's that's why this is so interesting. I just think that the matchups are what make this only intriguing enough to actually make me think twice about the Nets versus like nobody else in the NBA is going to make me even give pause right. with these three guys healthy. So. I agree that I think I think that the Bucks are going to have a lot of the matchup edges in the way that you're saying early in the series. I think that as the series, the, the longer the series goes on, we talked on the podcast a, a few weeks ago. Matt, you had a column about okay, what are what are the things I'm looking for in the postseason when it makes the postseason different from the regular season? And on the podcast, we talked about it. My top thing that I talked about was 
not defensive versatility. It was offensive versatility and firepower. And I do think that it's easy for me to see the Nets struggling-ish as far as Brooklyn is going to struggle to score consistently, to solve some of the defensive problems, to solve the size. I do think Milwaukee matches well and is going to push Brooklyn early in the series and and force them to find some solutions. The solutions are Kevin Durant and James Harden and Kyrie Irving. The solutions are there. I don't think that they know quite what they are yet. I don't know that they know what they look like yet. I trust that much talent and I trust the coaching staff that has a whole lot of history of doing awesome offensive things. I trust them to find answers And I think that when they do find some answers, I don't know what the counterpunch is going to be from Milwaukee defensively. I trust Brooklyn's offensive versatility more than I trust Milwaukee's defensive versatility to provide answers once Brooklyn figures out those things. And okay, so, you know, a big key is who is Drew Holiday going to guard in the series? Do you put him on Kyrie Irving and just try to take Kyrie out and just try to stifle him? Do you put Drew on Harden and try to like, in either case, he's such a pesky defender that, and, and, and Kyrie and, and Harden are both like, so can get in their heads that you could potentially take them out of the game mentally a little bit as well. Like, I don't think that that's hard to imagine that happening, but then there are still the other two guys. And then when it's not those two guys, there's still Joe Harris being open and shooting threes and there, there, there's just there's so much firepower on this team. And the Brooklyn Nets had the number one offense versus uh, the Bucks, where I think number six, where they finished in the year. And I think that we look at that and we're like, oh, they're both really good offenses. The Nets are a little better. I don't think the Nets are a little better. I think the Nets are a lot, a lot, a lot better and have so much firepower, so much offense that I just trust them to figure things out as the series goes along. Okay, a couple things here. One... My first thought in this series is that they should put Drew on Harden and just sacrifice the, the Kyrie points. I've moved away from that, and here's the reason. Brandon, if Kyrie's not scoring, what does he give you? Not a lot. <laughs> Shoot, shooting gravity. Nothing. Shoot, shooting gravity. Not really. Shooting gravity. But <laughs> you're not worried about that because you don't need Drew for the defense to be good. Drew makes them better, but this defense is good with or without Drew, Correct. I don't know. The defense is a lot better with Drew. Like, if no, okay. you're saying, okay, put I'm Drew saying, okay, look, look, look. what I'm trying to say here is in a five-man unit, including Drew, even if they were to neutralize Drew by, by doing the Kawhi thing where you stick Kyrie in the corner and you just pull right. Drew away from everybody, the other four guys are still a good defensive unit in tandem, correct? Yes, the other four are still a good unit, but I definitely don't mind playing four on four and taking those two guys out of the equation. Okay, we'll get, we'll get there. Mm. Is Kyrie okay with playing four on four, Brandon? <laughs> God knows what Kyrie is okay with. No, 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 no. we know this. No idea. We know this. He is still mm. going to do his thing, and he's going to make some incredible buckets, and it's going to look good. But if you drag down the efficiency just a little bit, that's the thing. He's not going to take a back seat. If Drew is guarding him, he's still going to go try and ISO him. Brandon, you talk about like the offensive adjustments. What kind of adjustments are they going to make? We know who this team is. They're just going to go at you one on one. That's all they're going to do. And I get the idea of like, yeah, but they, they are like the best. Here's an example of like how good they are. So PJ Tucker, right? Really good defender, all these kind of things. Harden was 11 of 15 versus him in the regular season. Like absolutely cooked him. But, but the, I did notice the Bucks found some things, which is you switch in the pick and roll because of the way that this offense runs. They don't have, tr- so 
they don't have trigger mechanisms, right? Where it's like, if X, then Y. It's just like guys doing stuff, okay? And they will run some stuff like Joe Harris off of screens. And that's honestly like a big concern. Like I love Joe Harris over threes in the series prop because they have to put either Bryn Forbes or Pat Content on him. They have to. And it, like, yeah. there's the, the good news for the Bucks is their top three guys are not defensive weak points. They don't have to hide any of their top three offensive guys. The bad news is they have to hide their other dudes. And so if it's Bryn to try and space the floor, there's no way Bryn's going to get through screens and Harris is going to get a bunch of threes. But when Katie gets in one-on-one situations, think back to the rocket series, right. Over and over again. Yeah. And how much we were like, what is happening with the, the brilliant, beautiful warriors offense. When they switch, KD was like, you're switching on me. You think you can guard me one-on-one. Well, I'm going to stand here and jab step for 13 seconds and then shoot an off balance contested fadeaway 18 footer. And it's Kevin Durant. So he's going to make some, that's not great offense. That's not good offense versus the boxer. Look, I do not have an idea for how the Nets are. Like, I don't have an adjustment. Maybe the Nets will, will prove me wrong on this. I do not see a personnel-based adjustment that is going to put them in a position to make adjustments in the series, Raheem. I agree with you. I think it's just really going to be a, a, a situation like the 2016 Cavs where you just have two ISO guys just beating you. Well, in this case, it's three. We saw this series play out between the Bucks and the Nets, and KD was just rising and firing over over Giannis, taking some bad shots. Um, so I, I kind of agree with you. I, I think, honestly, my angle and the, per, the best case scenario for me would be for the Bucks to win game one and for me, be, me to be able to come back and take the Brooklyn Nets at a better price. I kind of agree with, with, with Brandon. I do think eventually that talent is going to win out. But the, the Bucks are live here. Um, we got to talk about the, the absence of um, DiVincenzo because I think that's going to be a huge loss for them, you know, having to play Brent Forbes all, this, all these minutes. I noticed DiVincenzo actually didn't play great in this series, in the season series. Um, mm. It wasn't necessarily the type of matchup that you thought it would be. So here, here's a, a good way to think of it. KD hunted him. Now, KD's going to hunt Connaughton. Right. The mm. difference, though, is in the regular season, they're more willing to give DiVincenzo that switch and be like, all right, DiVincenzo, like, let's see how you do versus in the yeah. playoffs. If that's a problem, they will start bringing help on KD. Now you start bringing help and then the ball starts moving. That's the problem. But but once you get KD into second level, if he's not on the perimeter, that's where it changes. So if you play KD and you put two on ball, he reverses. He's able to make the passes because he's seven feet tall and incredible. And then the ball's moving, and then it's an open three, and then, and then you're bones. And there will be defensive breakdowns like that throughout the series. And there may be a lot of them in game one as they get used to the flow of the game. But I did notice there was a couple of plays where KD would get the switch, go into his sequence, attack, get to the corner of the free throw line near the nail, and then Giannis would come over the backside and block him. I thought that was an interesting adjustment. Honestly, a lot of the regular season stuff, this is what the regular season numbers suggest, is that the Bucks model was we're going to make it hard on Kyrie or we're going to make it hard on Harden and we're going to let KD do whatever because KD's KD. We're going to make it hard on him because yeah. you, you do what you can, right? And I get the idea, Brandon, of like, yeah, but they didn't have the three guys. And if they have the three guys, then you know the two are going to go off. I still don't think that you can carry an entire – because the other thing is – Here's a big part of it. The Bucks are going to make them work because the, the Nets 
if you got their starting, let's say their starters are Kyrie, Harden, Harris, Katie, uh, and either Blake or DJ. Brandon, how many good defenders we got on that? How many pluses? It's not great. Yeah. <laughs> this is a big thing. You can't hide everybody. Like, Chris Middleton is going to be like, I'm putting Kyrie in pick and roll every single time. And they will do it guard guard. Like, they will run Middleton holiday pick and roll and just mm-hmm. attack. You mm-hmm. can't hide these guys. Like, this is a big part of it. As much as everybody wants to talk about the firepower of the Nets, they have multiple. You want to hide Harden. You want to yeah. hide Kyrie. You want to hide Harris. Those are yeah. three guys that you want to hide. And you're not like super psyched about the fact that Blake Griffin is out there or DeAndre Jordan. Oh like, yeah. And then also we got to talk about the absence of Jeff green. Like that's a huge yeah. thing because playing those playing Jeff green at the five has been one of the Nets' best lineups. You know, I think, um, Reed used to work for us. Um, I think he mentioned that he wants to see Kevin Durant at the five, but I don't know how that's going to hold up. You don't, I, you don't want Katie. If Katie ha, it has to guard Giannis for an entire series, which is what they will yeah. do, is that Giannis will hunt him down in those switches. Yeah. Like, Katie will hunt – like, Giannis will hunt down KD, and even if Katie's able to do a good job on him, KD will wind up hurt. He can't yeah. handle that physicality, not at this point in his career. At all. Brandon? Brandon, so, I see you. I see you. I see you. I see the <laughs> doubt. It's you etched see- on your face. Well, there, there are just there are just so many things I need to respond to. This is the <laughs> problem. There's only so much time. So defense, I agree. You want to hide all the Nets defenders, and it's not mm-hmm. like they have all these great defenders coming off the bench to 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 plug into the lineups either. Like Bruce Brown, good. Claxton, good. Maybe maybe not against Giannis. I don't know. That's about it. So you want to hide them? I, I'm not going to hide from that fact. Defense in the modern NBA is, is as much about the weak link than it is about the strong link. And with Dante DiVincenzo out, the Bucks at pretty much all times are going to have, are going to have a weak link out there. It's either going to be Brent Forbes out there. It's going to be Bobby Portis for significant chunks of time, which is a problem. Uh, I don't trust Pat Connaughton. Like, yeah, Durant was hunting DiVincenzo, not because DiVincenzo is this, this bad defender, He's just not the other four guys. Like that's the guy that you hunt in that matchup because that's that's the option out of the out of the five guys on the floor. The Bucks, I, I don't trust PJ Tucker, and maybe he can prove me wrong, but his numbers this season have not been good. I know what we've seen from PJ Tucker in the past years. Dude is old and it hasn't looked right this year. And I don't know if he's gonna hit those corner threes that he's hit in the past. Maybe he's got one more series in him. I know this is what you got and get him for. But at all times, like, look, either Tucker or Lopez is going to be on the floor. Then you got the three stars. You still have to have a fifth guy. And the reason why I think I'm intrigued by, like, the Kevin Durant at center for stretches thing is now you have to have two of those guys for the Bucks Because now you have no Lopez and maybe no Tucker if they're, if they're really going small that way. Now you have to have, like, Connaughton and Forbes both on the floor for the Bucks, And I think like that's, you're conceding that Giannis is going to do his thing. I'm conceding that Giannis is going to have his huge numbers, but there's going to be so many other matchups elsewhere that present themselves when you, when you move that way for short stretches. Look, I mean, they're not going to take Tucker off. They go, if they go KD at five, Tucker's playing. 
Right. Uh, so if, I, if, they, if, they, if they go, if they go KD at five, Tucker's playing. And they can also counter, if you don't trust Tucker guarding, guarding KD, we saw Giannis guard Jimmy Butler. Giannis will do it. And if you're like, oh, but then, t- then Tucker is guarding, what's the bad matchup there? Like, Somehow we're like a half an hour into this and, and have not really barely talked about James Harden yet. The guy that we all decided in the middle of the season when he was still healthy might actually be an MVP this season. No, 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 no. Might, might have been. Do not say we here. You, me, sir. We, the media, we, the sports media decided that he might be in contention. It was, it was always Jokic. We here in this podcast, including myself, always agreed on that. James Harden is really good. James <laughs> Harden is is the answer that I'm talking about. Like, as awesome as the Warriors were, the Warriors didn't have a James Harden basketball savant to pick apart a defense, to score if you need to score, to suddenly start breaking things down with his passing, to create that way. Like, Steph Curry is amazing. Steph Curry is a better player overall than James Harden. I'm not saying that he's not, but Steph Curry or Klay Thompson or the guys that Durant has been with before – weren't just going to go and like create a new version of offense because they have the ability to do that. We know Kyrie and Durant want to play ISO. James Harden can do that for stretches too, obviously, but James Harden is the answer to the questions that we're asking of, of I, I think that when they get going and okay, this isn't working. Oh, the ISOs aren't working. I still have the break glass in case of emergency James Harden option. I know that sounds crazy. My answer is, Oh, Oh, so it's the playoffs and James Harden is the answer? That's the answer? Oh, okay. Hey, guys, it's the playoffs and Giannis is the answer? Because when has that been the answer either? Like, we got to have one of the answers has to have the answer this series that we haven't actually seen before. And I think it's fair to have doubts about both. But I think at the end of the day, it's very easy for me to scenario where the series ends and we look back and say, oh, man. The Nets ended up having the two best players in the series. Yeah, I'm not saying they do, mm-hmm. but it's possible. Yeah. Look, I, I don't, I don't mind. I don't mind just taking the the like. I will say, isn't this kind of your whole like? Well, the Lakers are just going to win everything. <laughs> I mean, there is a little bit like the 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 basketball, the pure basketball fan in me definitely wants the Bucks to make this a series, and I think wants the Bucks to win. Some of these I never really know. Just as a fan watching until the games tip, like who am I actually rooting for until until I just feel it. But the, the Nets winning in five scenario feels like the Death Star of LeBron that just ended last night, maybe, or maybe just for a season. But it feels like we might just have this moment. Like, I woke up today feeling like, wow, is this what it feels like to live in a world where other players and teams can win basketball games? It's great. Yeah. And we might last like three days and then be like, oh, so now it's the Nets for a while. Oh, we got to yeah. trade Dame and Kawhi to the Lakers. We're going to load up on super duper teams now. Like, I don't want that scenario. That's that's not good for basketball. So, I, I but I don't think this is that. I don't think this is just my nihilism kicking into the next option available. This is what I felt about the Nets all season. I just think that they're so talented that they're just going to do this. So you really don't. Th- can we admit though? You're basically saying defense does not matter. No, I'm saying that defense doesn't matter if the offense is that good. Offense yeah. Okay. Is no, that's fine. That that's fine. But we have to we have to say that because like uh. the gap between the Bucks and the Nets offensively, like part of this is like man, like they're not putting up like numbers that are like they're not averaging 1.5 points per possession here, man. 
Yeah. Well, they didn't in the regular season, but they were missing like they, they almost never actually yeah, had this guy. They, yeah. Do you trust KD off an Achilles? Kyrie Irving, who may miss for any number of reasons, Brandon, and then James Harden. Yeah. I mean, uh, we got was it like flag days coming up. We got yeah. Father's Day. But, uh, this is what I'm saying. Kyrie like, might take mm, off a couple games. This is what I'm saying. Like, and then on, on top of it, it's just like the gap between the two teams defensively is massive. So, so here are a few, just a few numbers, and I realize the numbers all need context, but here are a few numbers that give me at least a few answers or worries toward the Bucks end. So number one, in the regular season, the Nets had the number six best two-point percentage on defense. That's surprising to me. Like, what am I looking at that team and saying, oh, okay, they're going to not let teams score inside the paint. That's obviously where the Bucks are trying to score. The Bucks were fourth best at two-point percent offense. The Nets were sixth best on defense. I don't know if that will hold up. I don't trust that it will. It's interesting. And it definitely it, it held up pretty well against the Celtics, who are not the Bucs, but it was a good sign. The Bucs allowed the most three-point attempts in the league. We know that's what they do. They also allowed the second worst three-point percentage in the league, or second best, 38.4% to opponents. So the Bucs are designed to say, hey, hey, shoot some threes. We would love for you to shoot some threes. And would you just try to shoot a little bit? The Nets, every player on the Nets rotation, other than poor Landry Shamit at 58%, every other net is above 60% true shooting. And then the other thing is the Bucks have been playing at super fast pace this year. They're number two in the league in pace. And so now I, now I have this scenario where I just, and I, again, these numbers are all just numbers without context, but just those numbers, I'm like, okay, I'm closing my eyes. I'm imagining this running up and down, back and forth, this high-paced, fast-paced scenario where it's just turning into a shootout and we're just shooting up threes and tons of offense flying back and forth. And now Milwaukee's defense isn't mattering as much as we all want the Bucks' defense to matter. And those, those are just numbers that concern me. The Bucks are first and second chance points with 18 a game. They're also one of the best offensive, rating, um, offensive rebounding teams in the league. They're second in offensive rebounding. The Nets are 20th in de- defensive rebounding. So they're going to have more possessions throughout this series than the Nets. Like, so even with the, the Bucks giving up all these three-pointers, it's like, what does it matter if you're getting more possessions than the other team and more chances to score? And the gap between these offenses really isn't that high. I mean, what were the, the, the Nets were, you know, first in offensive rating this season. What were the? I mean, the the, the Bucks were still a top five offense. Yeah, they so, were. So yeah, yeah. So it's just when you look at the fact that the Bucks have a better defense. All this arguing between all of us, all is telling me is that this is going to be a seven game series, and we all know in a seven game series it's a coin flip. See, I want to go seven though because we we you know I think you can bank on that with this like last time was a good example of this with with Nuggets Portland. Right, yeah. where it's like that should have been a seven game series. Portland should have won that game and they just didn't. Like yeah. that's where sometimes like the mental makeup comes in, right? The Blazers have a 14 point lead and they just collapse because the, the Nuggets were like, We're built for this. And the Blazers yeah. were like, Um, we have use of Nurkic wearing a stupid suit. Like that's <laughs> that's <laughs> what like that like this is where that comes from. But I'll tell you this, Brandon. I don't like I do not like the Nets in a situation of adversity. I, yeah, do not I, mean, like the, yeah. I don't like this makeup. Like they, they, they better get up 3-1 or 3-2. Like, I, don't, I do not like their chances coming back in the series. 
for a team that has said Kyrie has said things this season like it's not really about a championship for me it's about the art and <laughs> KD has said things like you know championships don't make me happy and it does make him happy <laughs> and like you know James Harden is James Harden right like yeah they also very clearly put this team together from the construct of like all of our buddies are going to come and we're going to win and we're going to win a title in Brooklyn and we don't have to try that hard isn't this awesome and I don't know that necessarily that's how this works James Harden, strip club Olympian. I just don't. Yeah, I just don't. I, I agree with all of that. I think at at some point. So when I'm betting like March Madness and I'm watching these games, and I bet on particular teams, at some point it's a close game, it's a close battle, and suddenly the the camera pans over to the sideline, and there's that coach, and my heart sinks, and I'm like, what did I do? Why yeah, have I bet yeah, on I this you. coach again? I hear you. And yeah. And I agree. We, we, we see all these things with Durant and with Harden and with Kyrie. What about with Giannis? Like, yeah. At, at some point, like at the end of the day, you're willing to look over to that sideline and say, that guy has to go out there and be definitively, I think, clearly the best player in the series in order for the Bucks to win the series. So I think the biggest I, thing, for me, the biggest thing for me on this is um, one. Bud deserves credit for having adjusted the Miami series. It's okay to think that he's not going to. Um, Giannis, here's the big thing. I, I do think that he gets a bad rap. He's dominated these other series. He ran into two matchups versus two great coaches. Uh, I love Steve Nash as a player. He's one of my top five of all time. I loved watching him play. It was incredible watching Steve Nash play. I have zero reason to think Steve Nash is going to come up with some sort of genius plan here. Like I. You can't, the only way that I can feel, feel like you do about the bud situation is if I look across and go, Oh no. And if you get Eric Spolstra, I'm like, Oh no. But if I look across and it's Steve Nash, I'm like, eh. this is the biggest thing, Brandon is I agree with almost everything that you said about the nets, which is pretty much everything. Your arguments today about the nets are bucks neutral. You're just like, it doesn't matter. I don't like the matchup. And I think if you're, especially if you're looking for betting value, I think you got to bet the matchup. It's not always going to work yeah. out for you, but we're seeing over and over again that I think matchups do provide betting value. That's why our, our Mavericks. Yeah. That, that why that bet worked out is like, if you dive into the, into the matchup stuff, I think you find where the value is. Even if the, the bucks don't win because of the narrative power of just like the nets were better. Cause they had three guys. Um, mm -hmm. I do think that the value kind of has to go the other way. Uh, this has been good. This has been a really good discussion. Let's move on to the other series really quickly. We're running long, but honestly, I don't care. This is a huge episode, and I'm on vacation next week. So, This is Action Network podcast producer Matt Mitchell here to tell you our friends at BetMGM have a great new sign-up offer for our listeners, a $600 risk-free first bet. Here's how it works. If you don't already have an account at BetMGM, just sign up, make your first deposit, and place that initial wager. If the bet wins, you get all the money. If it doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $600. It's that simple. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the features gamblers like us love, like live betting and daily odds boosts, Plus, they're compatible with BetSync, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $600. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. 
Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. Let's talk real quickly. Raheem and I talked Sixers Hawks the other day. Raheem, do you have anything new on Sixers Hawks? Have you changed where you're at at all? So I heard that, you know, I have a friend in the Sixers organization. They told me that if if the Wizards had actually pushed the series to six, Embiid would have played. Yeah. So I think we're going to see Embiid come back at some point. So I do think the Sixers will get through the series, but it's just a matter of, you know, how many games it's going to be. So I bet MGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast, over five and a half is minus 140, Brandon. If we think that Joel's, my concern is that Joel's going to play game one and miss game two and play game three and miss game four. Like I would pencil him in, like, I would put the over under on his games played in the series at three and a half. Uh, that's enough for me to, to think that the Hawks can push this. I don't think they can win, but I can get in this series. I thought this was interesting. I can get Hawks plus one and a half at minus 145. I'm, I think that that'll probably go down after game one. I'm kind of curious as to what you think about. I know you haven't, you, you don't care about this series much, but are you very top level on this? Just like the Sixers are better and they're going to win. So no, but it's because I don't have faith in Joel Embiid playing. You gave me three and a half games in the series for Embiid to play. I would hammer the under on that. Like I, okay. I just don't feel comfortable thinking it's it's Joel Embiid. I, I hope that he plays. I want him to play. I want him to be healthy. I want the Sixers to be the Sixers. I want the best version of these teams to play each other. And if the best version do, then the Sixers are going to win. It's a matter of how many games. I don't trust that Embiid's going to be out there. I don't love the over five and a half games because... It's easy for me to see a scenario, especially if Embiid doesn't play where or doesn't play much or at all, where the Hawks just are a better team, kind of like they were against the Knicks. And we suddenly are like, oh man, they have a lot of more good players than the Sixers do. And there's a bench and depth problem. And oh man, like Phil, I, I don't think either one of these teams is going to have a ton of adjustments. I, I think that if we watch a couple of games, we're going to, no, barring injuries, we're going to look and be like, oh, yeah, that team is better. They're going to win the series. We, we watched the Hawks for one game, and we all, we all picked the Hawks going in, but we thought it was going to go long. Then we all saw one game against the Knicks, and we we're like, oh, yeah, no, this is over. Yeah. It's, it's a matter of when, not if. I feel like I can see that in the series, and I don't know for sure which way it's going to go. I don't know if Embiid is going to be in or not, but I think that we're going to see a game or two and be like, oh, yeah, well, we know how this is going to go. And we just need to see it play out now. Even before Embiid got injured, we, we were talking, the three of us, about that we thought the Hawks had maybe some value in the series. That we thought that Atlanta was maybe better than the public thought, that they maybe could push them. I think even with a full, healthy Sixers team, I probably would have taken something like Sixers in six. That, that Atlanta would show up and, and make a good series of it, just with a lot of options that they have. Since McMillan took over for the team, including the playoffs now, Atlanta is 31 and 12 
that is a 59 win pace counting a playoff series and they've had a top 10 net rating a top 10 offense their defense looked much improved in the first round the hawks are not just going to roll over i don't think there there is the scenario where trey young just gets physically bullied by a bigger stronger defense and if he just gets physically taken out of the series then they might roll over because i don't know if they have a ton of other options but philadelphia has struggled i think with smaller guards like trey so i don't know that that he's just going to get totally taken out and i I don't know i I don't trust Embiid out there if if he's not i'm looking to play unders here the with Embiid out the philly philly games have gone under 10 of their last 13 um, they tend to just kind of like buckle up and play defense and hope they can find enough scoring. I don't really trust them to find enough scoring if Embiid isn't playing enough minutes. Philadelphia was 20 and five this season when Embiid played at least 33 minutes. They were 33 and 19 otherwise. So it, even if he plays, but plays limited minutes, which I think is an optimistic scenario for him to play, but play limited minutes, even that I think gives some problems. So Last, I think in the first round, I ended up taking every single favorite to win the series. I think I'm taking the Hawks to win the series because I think that they're a good team that that the Sixers are going to have to actually come out and beat them. And because I don't trust Embiid to play enough and because I don't trust the Sixers to be nimble to have a lot of flexibility on their answers, I don't know that the Hawks are the better team and should win the series, but I like the value on them where they're coming in right now. Gentlemen, last night, after the Nuggets uh, defeated the Portland Trailblazers and the Suns defeated the Los Angeles Lakers, the defending champions, I bet the Denver Nuggets to beat the Phoenix Suns at plus 180. I saw that. I like the matchup for Denver here, and it's it's very easy to be like, you pick Portland. Okay, again, this is all matchup-based. Portland should not have lost that series. I want to be very clear on this. Uh, I don't think... I've said that before, and what I meant was that the other team was better. No, no, no. Denver was much better. Denver was much better. It is an embarrassment to Portland that they lost that series. They had all of these guards, and Denver had none. And the one thing that you need in order to beat Portland is guards. And still, the Nuggets were able to beat them with Austin Rivers, Faku Campazzo, and Monte Morris. However, I like the matchup of Aiton versus the Lakers bigs, and he acquitted himself very well. Even though he lost the minutes with Drummond and AD on the floor, it wasn't so much that they got killed and it allowed them to be in games and win games in other ways, even before AD went out. So you got that. Aiden has played Jokic well in terms of scoring, and like Aiden, Jokic has good things to say about him, but this is he's not ready for playoff Jokic. And honestly, like... Jokic is tougher than AD. I'm sorry. It's just true. Like Jokic is a better player than Anthony Davis. I don't know what to tell you. Like it's, I I get it. I understand the perception of Anthony Davis. Nikola Jokic is the MVP. He's one of the top five best players in the league right now. Um, And in the playoffs, he's one of like, 
I'll, I'll give you Kevin Durant's better than him. I don't know who else. So I think he's uh, better than Kevin Durant. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, I know you do. You think everyone's better than Kevin Durant. <laughs> so, uh, but, but Brandon, I, I like, I like the nuggets in this series. And I know that everyone's going to be like, yeah, but who's going to guard Booker. They're going to put two on ball. They're going to get the ball out of his hands the way that they do with every other guard. And Booker's not going to rise up, rise up from 45 feet and take picks at 30 feet the way that Damian Lillard did. The Nuggets' defensive scheme is very sound. It's very sound. They got Gordon. They can put on Booker for stretches. Chris Paul can have a big series, but Chris is not at a point in his career where he's going to be like averaging 30 points. That's that's not a thing. Jay Crowder is going to have to make threes, and he made them last night, but he hasn't made them in the rest of the playoffs. He's had he hasn't shot great from. He's a very inconsistent shooter. Uh, I think Denver's live. Is Will coming back for the series? Yeah, Biden. he'll. I thought he was going to be back for Game Four. I think he'll. I, I, I don't know if I'm willing to say that he'll be back for game one. I think he'll be back at least by game three. I think that Denver is live for sure. You could take the three of us and some dude off the street and put us with Jokic and Denver would be live. Like that's the respect that we have decided we have to give to Nikola Jokic at this point. So yes, the Nuggets are live. As long as Jokic is out there, they're going to have a chance. They're not going to roll over in any game. They're not going to roll over in the series. <laughs> Phoenix is not Portland. <laughs> like, you're very, you're very top line today. You're very much like, like all year you're like coming up with machinations like, Ooh, but Joe Ingles has the highest true shooting percentage. And Ooh, what if we do this? And then we get in this podcast with actual matchups and you're like, yeah, but like the other team's better. I just took Atlanta to beat Philadelphia. <laughs> Come on. Phoenix, Raheem, what do you think oh, about the man. series? Phoenix is number three. Phoenix had the number three offense this season. Portland had the number two offense. We just saw Portland score at will on this brilliant defensive scheme that Denver apparently has. And Portland, uh, Phoenix is going to score. Unless Chris Paul's shoulder falls off again, Phoenix is going to score their points, but actually plays defense. And like they're going, you know, I think that Aiton can at least kind of sort of hold his own against Jokic. Enough, some, kind of like Nurkic mm-hmm. did. Enough, some. Like, his size is going to be a factor. He fouled out only twice all year. He did foul out in one of the games against Jokic. But I think you can hang in there. And you've got all those Phoenix wings and length, something that Portland didn't really have to try out very much of. I think that – I think they can really get into Michael Porter Jr. I don't know that I trust him just because he had a good last game and a half that he's going to show up again all series – and we, this is still a team like we just saw how great Rivers and Faku and Morris were, but it was against the Blazers. It was they were awesome against no defense. They were awesome against the three of us and two guys on the street defense. That's what they were awesome against. Mm-hmm. And I just it I can see a scenario where after a few games, we said this. I know we just said this about the series last time against the Blazers that Denver just doesn't have the firepower. And it didn't matter because Portland didn't have any defense and Denver scored anyway. I feel mm-hmm. like the, the, the most likely scenario to me is that Phoenix wraps up this series, not comfortably because nothing's going to be comfortable against Denver, but I think that the team that is going to look embarrassed when this series comes out is Portland because I think that Denver is still... They, they don't have guards. <laughs> they they, they mm-hmm. have these... They have these guys off the street playing guard and whoever that they're finding, and they were great against Portland. Credit to each of them. They've been awesome. But Phoenix is not Portland, and they're going to defend. Chris Paul is going to defend. Their wings are going to defend. 
And I don't know. I'm, I'm again saying I don't know I can trust Denver to score. And I said it last series, and I was wrong. Mm-hmm. They scored anytime they felt like it, any way they felt like it. And maybe Jokic is just the answer. But I can see the scenario where we get a few games in, and we look and we're like, yeah, Denver, great run, great, great job to win a playoff series with this version of the team. But they just don't have enough against a really good Phoenix Suns team. And my goodness, how did the Blazers not beat this team? That's that's the angle that I've got right now. So I, I get what you're ah. saying. I, I get where you're, what you're saying um, um, as somebody that sounds like he belongs on a, a morning show. I just think they're better. Um, my question for you, though, is like, <laughs> Raheem, let's go to you for, for a second. Like, I, I just think there's value on Denver. Like, it's fine to be yeah. like, the Suns are better. It's It's value here. I think the plus 172 is just, it's way too high. Like, I I agree with Matt. And then I I just think there's some matchup advantages for Denver. Like, the Suns, they they were 24th in opponent field goal percentage at the rim, giving up 65%. That's not good when you're facing Jokic, you know. So, to me, as as great as this Suns defense has played, they've had their leaks, um, specifically at the rim. Um, they're not great at defending the mid-range, which is, you know, another area in which the, the Nuggets def- um, score well with Michael Porter Jr. And so it's just the Nuggets are going to have their opportunities to win games. I think the, the plus 172, plus 180, wherever the line is now, it's definitely a little too high. I think we forget that the, this, is the, this has been the Suns' real first playoff experience other than you know Chris Paul and Jay Crowder the rest of these guys are young and they played a beat up Lakers team they didn't they didn't play a, a Lakers team that was you know rolling I mean LeBron James and Anthony Davis just came back from injuries this Nuggets team actually has an identity so I think I think it's a closer series now do I want to do I actually want to bet the series no but because I think the Suns are eventually going to win out but I think game by game, I'm going to be looking to, to, to play my spots on Denver and the Suns. I think the Suns probably win game one. I, I like, I mean, they're four and a half point favorites in game one. So I'm looking to the Suns there, but I don't think they're going to run away with this series by any means. Wait, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on, Brandon. Because you've been taking the top level approach. Who's the best player in the series? Yeah, for sure, Jokic. 100%. By, by a wide margin. But here, here's, here's the thing, Raheem. You've said on the Bucks and on the Nuggets, there's value. There's value on this plus 180, the plus long number, but I think that the better team is going to win the series. Then there's not value. You can't win money, but like, this is what I do. I take the good plus odds and, and claim to have value on it, and then I have value in like game five, and then I lose the value when they lose the series. Like Either you win the series and your ticket pays off, or you don't. You can't have both. There's like You can cash just, out. Just because you can cash out at BetMGM. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you Here's go. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. With there being value, like you're looking at it from a numbers perspective. So if the odds makers are projecting something to happen 50% of the time and you think it's going to happen 55% of the time, there's value. I agree. So now may I have my Joe Ingles credit? <laughs> you, can, you can get your Joe Ingles credit. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm not mad at that. But, you should bet BetMGM uh, and cashed out. I should have not listened so, to you at all. I, I like I like Suns. I don't think this is out yet. I've only have just seen a series line, but I would be looking for Suns at minus one point five. So the Suns to win in in six or fewer games. I, I have think that. that's the Hang angle on. that I would play. Is that out yet anywhere? Yeah, I've got, I've got mm-hmm. a line at, at a book which we won't mention. Um, 
the line is sun so again uh, sun's my what did you want which one did you want minus 1.5 suns minus 118 mm-hmm. yeah so to, to me suns minus 225 i'm not touching that i don't see the value in that i agree by the numbers the nuggets plus 180 is the value player right now i would look to play that you know that just means suns win the series but not in seven if the suns if this goes to seven and I've seen what the Nuggets have done the last few years, and I've seen what Chris Paul has done in some of the brightest moments. I'm not sure I want to be riding with Phoenix in that spot anyway. It's like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I don't want to bet against Jokic in that spot anyhow. So you, you give me Suns to win the series, just not in seven, and you've cut the odds in half, and now I actually have a playable number that I feel pretty good about. I have another hot take. Uh, this is the Western Conference Finals. Really? Because I think that the other series is the Western Conference yeah, Finals. I, I think this is the Western Conference Finals. Uh, wow. I, look, you, you need to go, go back and watch Jazz Suns this year. Go yeah. back and go back uh, and watch those oh, matchups. Yeah, yeah. It's a bad yeah, the, the, matchup. The, the Suns have dominated them. Like it, it has it like it's really tough. It's a bad matchup for Utah. Yeah. Look, I'll I'll tell you this. We'll we'll touch on this real briefly. I don't care who wins tonight. I don't care who wins tonight. I'm betting Utah in the next series. Really. Yeah, I know we talked about it, Raheem. I know, I know, but mm. but look, the Clippers defense isn't good enough. Flat out. Yeah. The Clippers defense isn't good enough. The Mavericks defense is bad. Like the Clippers should have won this series four two. Yeah. And I bet Mavericks plus two and a half, and I bet Mavericks plus one and a half because I thought there was value on it because of the matchup, and I get that. But like the Mavericks do have all these flaws, and the Clippers, like they the Clippers absolutely should have won that last game, and they just don't. Like, yeah. I can't, there are, there are just times when the Clippers are an unserious team. They are yeah. just not a serious team. So, uh, I, everyone, look, Brandon, do not get sucked in on the, the Luca thing. I know where you're going. Do not get sucked in on the Luca thing. It's awesome. He's incredible. He's probably like the second best player in the playoffs right now, if not the best. Like he might honestly be like, he has played as well, if not better than Jokic. He's been incredible. Yeah against Ivica Zubac. But, like, in general, this Mavericks team is coming to the battle with Kleba and Porzingis. And THJ does not deserve that disrespect. THJ is actually good. Uh, DFS is pretty good. But, like, Brandon, firepower-wise, like, I I get what you're saying. Yeah. But what, Brian, go. The Mavericks played a 2-3 zone with Boban and Chris Straps in the first half and just let the Clippers shoot. Like, and it, it worked for a, a whole half. Yeah. Like, I've never seen anything. Like, it was it just, like, I thought, you know, a couple years ago when Golden State was making this run, I thought that this small ball thing would be here forever and you'd just be able to play big guys off the floor. And it feels like now we're seeing a shift where – if you have bigs, they can hold their own. Um, they can they can stop you from driving to the paint, which is what they did in that first half. Now in the second half, the, the Clippers start to pick it apart and start to make open shots. But I, I I'm kind of with you on the Jazz being able to have answers for everything that the, the Clippers want to do. Brandon, what do you think? I'm I'm confused. What I'm supposedly saying on this? Am I saying that the Jazz have answers for the next series, but no answers for the series after that? Is that I just want to know what I'm saying. So yes, what, because they're not, they're playing actually serious franchises. <laughs> Fair. So, yeah. So I have going into the playoffs, I had Nets, 
Jazz as the finals matchup plus 1200. Okay. That is looking pretty good right now. Sure. Only it's maybe not. That feels, I'm starting to think about that maybe that is a ticket to sell because we, Raheem, you just talked about how big men are proving that they're awesome. They're going to stay on the court and make a difference. I am worried about Rudy Gobert. Whatever are the, looking at the matchups going forward, I feel like we should all take this moment to really appreciate how awesome the Jazz are and how great Rudy Gobert's defense is because here are some of the scenarios that might possibly come up. We might get Gobert against Jokic in the Western Conference Finals. Uh-oh, that hasn't gone well. We might get Gobert put in the pick and rolls a thousand times against Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Uh-oh, we might get Gobert against Luka Doncic in the next round, in the torture chamber, a thousand pick and rolls per night. Uh-oh, not great. And in the best scenario, we get Gobert against the Clippers where he's just kind of like neutral because they just want to shoot jump shots anyway. So at least Gobert mm. doesn't hurt you in that matchup, but his defense is not as valuable as it's supposed to be. This is the thing that we've all said against the Jazz all season. I moved off of it because I just was, I did the, I did the the big picture thing. The Jazz, I think, are the best team in the West on paper, in theory, against enough teams, enough series. But the whole thing is that their offense is really good, and then they have this great defense behind it. And I'm not feeling so great about the defense and what the matchups look like and what Gobert is supposed to be. So I did, as as I was up until three last night, prepping and starting to look ahead to some of these series, because I just really haven't looked a ton at the West series yet with so much up in the air, but I, I do get worried about Gobert. Um, at Bet MGM, our podcast sponsor, the favorite to win the finals MVP at this moment in time. I love is this. Donovan Mitchell. It's great. What? The Jazz are so overvalued right now. What? It's hilarious. Wow. Donovan oh. Mitchell is favored to be the NBA finals MVP. <laughs> On June 4th, 2021, it's on the calendar. Donovan Mitchell is the favorite. What are we doing? (laughs) Like, I get it. The Jazz have moved on to the next round. The Jazz are going to have a big rest advantage that's going to help them in the next series. If it's the Clippers, the Clippers are going to be coming off two elimination wins while Dallas has a five-day rest wait waiting at home in elevation. (laughs) Guess what? That that didn't really work against Memphis. So I don't know about that for Utah on that one anyways. I don't know. I I think that the better teams are in that side of the bracket. And but when it comes down to actually looking at the matchups and, and it gets to Utah or the Clippers, I, I'm not really buying in on Dallas as this like huge threat. Luca has been awesome. Yeah, it's it's just, it's open. The West is tough. I opened, I hadn't done it yet. I opened my son's uh, Western Conference title position after game five of the Lakers series. Um, and I've added to it at last night and I'll continue to add to it. Even with me taking the Nuggets. I know this sounds crazy, but I'm telling you, like, I like the Nuggets in this series. But if the Suns beat the Nuggets, I like the Suns to win the West. I think they're the most versatile. I think that they're the best. Mm. I think they have the most, like the best combination. I like they're, they're they have the best way to accommodate matchups of any team remaining. They don't have specific weaknesses that I can, I can isolate. Raheem, you got anything else? Um, that's it. I think, um, I think the play, the, the play for tonight, take the Clippers to win the series. 
I think it's plus 140. They win tonight. You got a nice middle and an arbitrage opportunity. They win tonight. You know, they're going to be six, seven-point favorites on Sunday. You can take the Mavericks plus six or plus seven on Sunday, and you can try to hit both sides, or you can take the Mavericks money line. You get plus money on both sides. So that's the play for me tonight. My, my play tonight, this is going to be a classic Brandon play that has a chance to look really great for a couple of days and then crash and burn real hard. I just put it into our staff best bets column, so it'll be coming out later on today. So yesterday, my pick for our best bet going to those two games was the Suns to win the Western Conference, which was at plus 500 at this time yesterday. It's now down to plus 220 at BetMGM. So those odds have been sliced more than in half. All they had to do was win last night and move on. Dallas to win the West is plus 1,300 right now. I do not think Dallas is the best team in the West. I don't know if they're even the best team in the series. They're not the best team in the series. They just have Luka and the Clippers are the Clippers. But Luka is playing so well that they would have a chance. And at plus 1,300, I think that there's value there. At, at our playoff series guide on the website, I think it's like a plus a 3.9% edge in our favor using Justin Fan's numbers, who I have learned to trust because they are getting a lot of NBA props right and a lot of yeah. other things right this year. Mm-hmm. It, I, I, like, I think it, what ha- if, if Dallas wins tonight or, or close out the series, what do their odds drop to from 1,300? Like, they only have to win one of two games. And then they're gonna; those odds are gonna slice down to like 700 or something like that. And the Clippers, the, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. It, it doesn't matter. It, it's the numbers thing again. If the Mavericks only have to win one of two games in games that have proven to be mostly coin flip, depending on a shot variance and which healthy superstar shows up, the Clippers have to win two coin flips. Then that means 25% chance to advance in the series. That makes the Mavericks significant favorites. They still have to win two more series after that, but I already have Suns at, at 500 also. So give me that. Give me the Aiton and Doncic battle in the Western Finals, and uh, and I'm just riding free roll at that point. Uh, I've got, I, I did take a Mavericks position after game two to win the Western mm-hmm. Conference. I'm cashing out after the series is what I'll do. The Mavericks win is what I'll do. Uh, all right, let's get wrap it up for the Action Network podcast. Long edition, but there's a lot to get to. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week with an episode. I'll be uh, broadcasting for the beach. Suckers uh, with, a, with a daiquiri <laughs> in my hand. Make sure to follow us. Download the Action Network app right now. It is going to be the best way for you to track your bets, get all the information that you need. Check us out at Action Network HQ. Follow the guys on Twitter and in the app. And we'll talk to you guys again next time on the Action Network podcast NBA edition. We're finished talking.